0: In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the Internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh, yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Hey Horror Hounds, Moose here. Hope you enjoyed this month's episode. Just wanted to tell you that for August, I'm going to try to resurrect an old guest for that day that campers need to be beware to go out in the woods. We have a very special Friday the 13th episode coming out on Friday the 13th. So, be sure to look for the next episode of Moose's Monster Mash on Friday, August 13th. And until then, Horror Hounds, mash on. Hi, I'm Ron Chaney. You're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. You're Welcome, Horror Hounds, to another all-new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. Joining me today is somebody who's been involved in many, many occult classics. He is a puppeteer, a special effects artist, a makeup artist, a producer, director, and hell, I'm pretty sure he can do it all. He even has a museum. So, from The Blob, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, drummers and many many more please welcome mr nick benson
1: jack of all trades master of none right
0: right, right. <laughs> you and me both <laughs> so how's it going it's going good man i'm so, speaking of museums how's that going i mean that's that that was a recent well i guess more recent in your career edition i mean
1: yeah yeah we opened in october which was really a a weird time to open something at all business wise. Um, but honestly, this, it, it was, it, it, it's, it's sort of the vision of my wife and my son. Um, I had been doing prop restoration for uh, the better part of six years and uh, some of the, you know, for private collectors and whatnot. And one of those people happen to be involved in the hsppa he's the curator for the hsppa um which is the horror sci-fi prop preservation association so i kept bringing these cool things home which some of you can actually see behind me i'm sure you can see them oh yeah it's, um,
0: you, you have a very lovely studio <laughs> there's, area
1: yeah there's a piece from galaxy quest back there right now and a, and a vulcan head cowl whatever so i've been doing you know the the prop preservation stuff and um Bring that stuff home. And my wife just kind of got the idea that we needed to share this stuff with the public and not, not have it be hidden away in private collections. So we partnered up with, um, with James Azriel and my son and, and my wife and myself. And we decided to open a museum in the middle of COVID, which was either really stupid or really smart.
0: Really, I your wife was like, yet. "I don't want all this stuff sitting around the house, so we're going <laughs> to put this in a building so people pay to come see it."
1: <laughs> she actually loved seeing some of the stuff coming in, you know. But uh, she was just like, "Man, this stuff is so cool; we have to share it with people." Yeah, that's how it all began.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, just looking at the stuff behind you, I mean, I could, Im- I-, I can imagine the exhibits you must have in the museum.
1: Um, currently, it's been it's been the same exhibit for since October. But uh, we've got uh, our our main exhibit is Silent Hill. We have four of the nurses, we have two pyramid heads, we have the gray child, and we have uh, we have the missionary and all the hero costumes that go with it. I'm in love. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, but while, we've got pieces the movie like wasn't right now. The, uh, you know, scariest that that the game that it was based off of was probably the scariest game <laughs> I ever played in my life. Yeah. So there's a soft soft spot in my heart for Silent Hill.
1: Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. You got
0: started back in, what was it, 86?
1: Yeah. The end of 86, I graduated high school. I I immediately went into, uh, I was an apprentice film editor, literally cutting celluloid, doing all that, all the stuff on actual film, not on video. This is before the time of of nonlinear editing and computer editing. Um, that's where I really started and then I got into sound effects. I was in a band and I got into sound effects, was doing a lot of sound effects stuff and uh, playing in a band and um, I wound up roommates with a special effects artist that uh, oddly enough, I, I had no idea who he was at first um, because I was moving in with my guitarist. And he's like, "Oh yeah, well, my other roommate's Steve Johnson, and the other is uh, Kevin Brennan." <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, "You mean the Steve Johnson that did Ghostbusters and Poltergeist?" And, and he was like, "Yeah." So that's kind of how that started. And um, you know, I was plotting all kinds of weird things to do on stage, and I was kind of a performance artist and and goth kid at, back in the day, and and. Um, you know, Steve just kinda loved what I had as ideas and how I looked and decided to decided to offer me a job making rubber monsters. So um I was like rubber monsters, ban, rubber monsters, rubber monsters win.
0: <laughs> the, the the longevity of rubber monsters is
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still love writing music too, but I barely ever get time to do that anymore. So
0: Well and I mean you you get to tie the two together because you you got to work with Slipknot on the was it Neo Forte video. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you still rubber monsters and music together. So
1: And that music video was a god, 35 year reunion for Steve and I. Steve called me up and said, Hey, I'm doing this music video for Slipknot and I'd like you on it. So there it was.
0: (laughs) Talk about going full circle. Yeah. And then like, if I remember your first, like, out of the gate, like, major project was Night of the Demons, wasn't it?
1: right?
0: Which, as I mentioned, was, like, one of the first of many, like, just cult following movies that you've worked on.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. When, when we started on that film, I thought, you know, like, the effects were just badass. Even then, it was just like, these are badass. But uh, I didn't think that the film would last the test of time at the time we did it because it was a relatively low budget film at the time then it was steve's uh steve's first go like kind of solo breaking away from boss film and uh starting xfx so uh yeah so i mean that's that's where we started he started out doing a bunch of test makeups on me and i made a bunch of teeth and we just we just started and you know, talked about gags, and I designed the gag where Linnea's digging her thumbs into the dude's eyeballs in the bathroom. And so, <laughs> fun
0: stuff. That, that seems to be the thought that everyone had, because, like, I had uh, Dennis Tenney on an episode previously. Oh, yeah? And, you know, he, he thought about the same things. like, you know, it sounded good, but we didn't think, you know, here we are 30-some <laughs> years later still talking about night of the demons and yeah. you know, it, it just, it keeps finding a new audience.
1: It does. It does. And, the, and it's funny because they've even remade it and the original still holds up better than anything.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and it's a testament to practical effects and special effects over a lot of the newer, like CGI stuff. Definitely. That how well the, you know, work that you guys put in, holds up
1: luckily you know steve had a shop full of like masters uh to not only handle this stuff but teach me how to do it you know i mean i i was really lucky because he has like there's guys still in the business today that are now oscar winners that started there and we're working there with him so it's it's pretty crazy to think that all those guys are who taught me how to do what i do you know
0: oh yeah yeah, you know, and you want to talk interesting special effects, let's talk uh, Tremors. I mean, <laughs> y- you take these big desert scenes, just wide open shots, and make it look like these giant worms are actually underground. I mean, a- as an adult, it looks a little hokey, but to a kid, that movie is just like awe-inspiring. Like, oh my god.
1: Yeah, you know, I I still watch that one today and I'm pretty, I've grown to like it. I hated it when it came out. I thought it was kind of a stupid movie. But I've really, it's really grown on me over the years that, you know, especially now because there's so little actual monster movies out, you know, and that's a true monster movie. Yeah. You know, great big fucking monster worms.
0: I say, there's not like a twist or anything. I mean, there's just this giant worm. That you know, wants it, to it, eat everybody. Right. It's kind of like that, you know, the, the classics of like, you know, the, the, the giant killer ants or, you know, something, you know, <laughs> something along like something that came out of the 50s. Really? Yeah. You know, that, that style.
1: Well, I was really lucky on that one too, you know. I was I was very fortunate to work with Alec and ADI and the ADI crew cuz and that's another shop that was the same situation. I was thrust into that because I was really good at fiberglass work and and um you know, and they they needed a lot of it. So, um I can imagine they they, they brought me on and and uh you know, working with Alec is yeah, I I still think today that's that is definitely a guy that deserves an Oscar for a lot of shit he's done, and he's never gotten one.
0: Well, and like you take the movie like Tremors, and like it on the surface, everything seems so minimalistic, but it, it's w- when you're watching it, there's a lot that has to go into it to build like the like the ambiance and the the set really set the scene for when you finally see the worm. You know, like yeah. the like the scene where like in front of the shop where the you know you got the floor kind of rolling and Uh, yeah stuff like that i mean in and of itself it's not scary but you kind of start putting all that stuff together special effects wise that's pretty fucking cool
1: yeah it's pretty insane there's a lot of mechanical effects that go on to make that stuff happen and and a lot of a lot of folks just think special effects is kind of this broad term but there's guys that specialize in specifically in mechanical stuff versus versus creature suits versus, you know, monster makeup. It's all, uh, it's, you know, and pyrotechnics is part of that too. So special effects is, you know, it's a pretty broad term, but, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys involved in doing all that stuff and a lot of design that goes in it. Tremors itself. I mean, I couldn't believe the different scales of worms we use. There's just we had one-to-ones. We had, we had third scale. I think, I think it was third scale. And then we had some that were, you know, maybe 14, 15 inches long, some real small ones too. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's nuts and it's all camera tricks and stuff like that. If you look at, I think there's a documentary that they were working on that ADI has, uh, on tremors. I think I saw it on YouTube, but, um, I have a whole bunch of footage of the of the behind the scenes of that that's, that shows the miniatures being set up, you know, raised up floor like basically the way they set the camera it looks like it's this huge desert but you have your foreground is all like a platform that's covered in dirt and and fake sagebrush and shit like that and they just pull these uh pull the monsters out of the bottom of it.
0: Nice. And then one of my like personal favorites that you worked on a reanimator
1: <laughs> that one i didn't do too much on i uh I, I that was right before i left los angeles for uh 20 plus years um i did i was working with screaming mad george i had we had finished on society and we were working with you i love working with brian use he's he's just he's just such a great guy to work with he's just got such a great mind for art and uh you know, so I started by working with George on doing preliminary designs for for Bride. So, and that was nice because you know I didn't get to do like full blown effects design yet until that point.
0: Well, see, and of the reanimator series of movies, I think Bride is probably the strongest outing they had. Yeah. No, it's kind of like Frankenstein and Bride bride is the better of the two so yeah (laughs) it's a wild ride that film (laughs) yeah so is uh society really i mean that's a it's a very interesting movie if you haven't seen it
1: (laughs) society kind of stands on its own i find i find that one to be like really fun just because it's so different i mean yeah it's body horror yeah it's kind of like you know, it's it's a little bit like The Thing, but it's not like The Thing. And then there's the political undertones and all that stuff that go into it.
0: Yeah, it's like so. The Thing meets uh, They Live. The Thing meets They Live. Yeah. That, that, that's what I was thinking. You know, and it's a, it's a pretty good mashup, I'd say, of those two. And it, it takes the best of both of those and makes one really solid fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I heard in one interview you did, you, you grew up on the like universal lot and you know, you, you, grew up enjoying the universal monsters, you know, the the classics. Mm -hmm. Did you have one in particular that was your favorite
1: as far as the universal monsters go? Yeah. It started out, uh, my favorite was the Wolfman, but then I saw the creature and, uh, you know, I just I identified with Creature so well because he's such a misunderstood creature. In fact, here, I'll show you right here. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
0: Hold on, I got to... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got him for Christmas. Nice little Creature yeah. bust. But yeah, I mean, and I've said on this show numerous times, the Universal Monsters really laid the groundwork for what we have today. Without... Those guys, we wouldn't have the – I don't think we would have the horror genre that we have today.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I have to agree with that. But I think that if you go back a little bit further um, to the very, very beginnings of Universal when when they were still in their infancy, you really have to thank Lon Chaney Sr.
0: Oh, God, yes.
1: Lon Chaney was, was so – enveloped in his roles that he did his own makeups he did he put like stuff in his eyes for for oh god just stuff that you would never think to do that you know well, when, and everything that he
0: did to help the movie industry as far as prosthetics and things like that go i mean up until lon came along you know they, they kind of relied on like stage makeup which yeah. is just so minimalistic. Yeah. But you look at things like he did in uh hunchback. Yeah. That's just
1: mind blowing. The stuff in London after midnight is what really blew me away. Oh yeah. That, that, cause he put these wires in his eyes to get that bulgy, weird look to his eyes and then hit it with makeup. And uh, you know, it's just crazy stuff, but that really made the character live.
0: You know, he he was very dedicated to his craft and dedicated to bringing that character to every character he played to life. Absolutely. A couple episodes ago, I just had a chance to interview Ron Cheney.
1: Oh, Ron's awesome.
0: And yeah, we had a nice kind of retrospective of the uh, Cheney legacy and all the contributions they've made to the film industry. And you know, yeah, it's 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 so like eye opening as to how much the industry really has to thank Lon for. I mean could could you imagine where some of these movies would be if it was still just like stage makeup?
1: Yeah. Like Yeah, we wouldn't be really anywhere
0: today. <laughs> take, well, Nightmare Four or any of them really. Freddie would look so dull in just stage makeup. <laughs> I mean it, it would be ridiculous. Yeah. So what was that like working on, uh, you know, Nightmare movies? I mean, that's, again, another one of those. I mean, at that point, you've passed cult classic. You've, you know, you've now graduated into yeah the annals of horror history.
1: Yeah. I will say that, like, when I got the job on that and, and it was an interesting way that things happened because I was I was working for. Uh, both steve johnson and screaming mad george quite a bit that was most of my career in the 80s was bouncing between those two shops and um interestingly enough i you know i loved nightmare on elm street franchise period and you know i think i was I, i think what i remember was i was i was coming off of the blob and i was on the stage of the blob and i went I think I want to say it was next door. One of the stages next door to us, um, Mick Strawn was building the the miniature uh, the miniature um, junkyard set. Mm. So that junkyard for that first shot where the you know the camera pulls up and yeah. it turns into the earth. So Mick was building that, and I had gone over there with um, with another puppeteer that I was working with on the Blob. We kind of snuck over there and we're checking out the stage. And uh, I ran into Mick and and Mick was like, oh, well, you know, Steve and George are both working on this, so you need to call him. <laughs> <laughs> so as I, as I came off the blob, I, you know, I jumped onto that.
0: Mick's a fun guy. <laughs> Mick's, Mick is
1: Mick is an absolute kick in the ass. I love working with him. I love being around him. He's you know, he and I give each other a lot of shit, but it's all it's all love. I, I love that guy like family.
0: He is definitely one of the more entertaining interviews I've done, and the stories he has are just absolutely <laughs> fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did he tell you the slime one on the when we were doing uh Debbie's Roach Transformation? No, I don't think so. He didn't tell you that one. No, that's a, that's a good one. That's a, uh, I, he tells it so much better than I do, <laughs> but he was mixing up the slime for that, and that ultra slime, uh, it's it's like ridiculously expensive. It was like at the time, I believe it was like 10 grand a barrel for a 55 oh, gallon barrel shit. of Ultra Slime. And this stuff comes in these small canisters too, you know, so they're pretty expensive also. But when you open it, it literally says on the label that you have to cut this shit with scissors because it has such a, a stick and it also stretches forever. You have to cut it with scissors. So imagine a 55 gallon drum full of this shit, right? <laughs> so, so Mick, Mick grabs, I think, I, if I remember correctly, it was like really, really late at night. And he grabs his production assistant and gives him a drill and one of those paint mix bits and some tints and, and says, here we go. We're going to match this color of, of the, the Roach Motel bottom you know the sticky shit on the on the, in there and you need to match this color you're going to pour this he pours the stuff in and he gives the guy the drill and walks away well the, you know walks out the door and he's headed to his office and about three quarters of the way to his office he hears the guy screaming so he turns back around and he goes back in there and and this stuff ha- this stuff has because of its thickness and it's you know the way that it's sticky it has crawled up the drill bit around the drill <laughs> And all, almost all, fifty gallons of this shit has completely covered this guy like the blob. So, yeah. So the kid, so we're scrambling to get this guy out out of this mess and save this stuff in the process because it's ten grand a barrel, and um, you know, having to wipe it off of him and clean him up and get had to cut a hole in it so he could breathe. It's just, it was funny. It was like a monster movie in itself.
0: <laughs> Revenge of the Blob.
1: hmm Hundred percent.
0: Well, and that movie just celebrated anniversary last year during COVID.
1: Yeah, I did a, I did a whole, uh, I think a whole show with Robert and a lot of the cast, and we did, we we had a lot of fun with it.
0: I say, it was you nice. went on a bunch of like virtual tours with. Uh, doing the blob that was that's pretty fun i caught one of the virtual screenings
1: yeah i did a couple of virtual screenings and then uh just this past i think it was may it might have been may it was either may or april but i went back to the mahoning drive-in theater and and they did what they call remake double take which was the 58 blob and the 88 blob and i was a guest there that was that was a blast it was a nice to see people again instead of just looking at a screen
0: now <clears throat> at the screening I watched I'd asked you about this and I, w- I wanted to go a little bit more in depth uh, the ooze that was made it's very similar to the Ghostbusters ooze yeah it, was that just some like secret formula that got passed around to like all the effects guys or
1: yeah everybody used it it's it's basically it's a food thickener called methylcellulose. And the stuff—it's uh, kind of like you know that the the goo that's around the apples in the apple pie—that's mm-hmm. really made out of methyl cellulose. So um, it's basically that shit, but it's it it comes in a powdered form, and it's really dangerous for you to like you you can't breathe it in the powdered form; it'll kill you. Jesus, so yeah, so, so you basically drown if you breathe it in, but so we have to mix this shit up. Right. And then it becomes like this thick slime. Uh, and we used it everywhere. I mean, we used a, so many gallons of it in society. We used gallons of it and it was used on ghostbusters. It was used, it was used everywhere. It was just, that's the stuff you use. we still use it today.
0: I say it seemed to be the go-to stuff in the eighties.
1: Still use it today. Cause it's the best slime. You can tint it. You can do whatever you want with it really. And it's, and it's food, it's food grade. So it's, as long as it's not in the powdered form it's safe you know
0: as long as it's not the powder you can eat it <laughs> yeah it might taste like shit but you can eat it
1: <laughs> well you can you could eat the powdered form you just can't breathe it in you breathe it in you're fucked
0: you were also in the uh big body suit on the blob what was because it was the movie theater scene wasn't it where you were
1: yeah yeah um so there was there was a bunch a bunch of puppeteers in that uh, that were involved in that between you know manning the the tentacles and different pieces of it and every every different scene is kind of uh, some of it's different scale than others. Uh, like the phone booth scene is full one to one, and they just drop the drop the. They were literally quilts, you know, like you have on your bed, basically, literally quilts. And in the in the theater scene, I was under it with uh, another puppeteer named michael roddy that's the same guy that we went over and saw mick Strawn. um but uh he and i uh were were doing the theater blob we were we were both a theater blob and um there was let me think there's i think seven or eight quilts on top of us in that scene uh and i believe the movie theater was i want to say one sixth scale so the seats are, though so there's, it's a miniature theater. We're standing up in the middle of basically a platform that's in the middle of the theater and, you know, crushing chairs when they, when they call action.
0: <laughs> this is big steamroller pink.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Just mowing over it.
0: We, we've gone through essentially what, what could be construed as your greatest hits. I see something on your uh, keyboard there for upcoming projects. Uh, oh, House the in Pines. the Pines. Yeah, House in the Pines. Yeah,
1: House in the Pines. And now this is this is the really interesting part. See, now I you know as obnoxious as Mick can be, I just can't get enough of him. So that that's a movie Mick is directing. House in the Pines. Mick is directing. Um, that's uh, coming soon. Uh, it's not funded yet. We've done a lot of the pre-production stuff. We're still working on little bits and pieces of that, um, but we have it in funding and putting together a package for our, our financiers. Um, and somewhere in the middle here, another project uh, with Jack Shoulder and uh, Josh, Josh Russell, uh, a guy named Josh Russell. Uh, and I don't know if you know who Jack Shoulder is, Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jack, uh, came to, well, he approached Mick first and then he, uh, and then he came to me, uh, with a vampire film that he's going to be doing starting September. We're, we're shooting in September. I start the effects stuff next month. Um, very cool script. I just, I just finished the newest draft of it today. And, um, you know, I haven't seen a vampire film like this in a long time. It's, uh, it's good. (laughs)
0: Well, it's about. I, I think vampires are due for a turnaround again. It was vampires yeah. and zombies, so now it should be vampires again. So,
1: <laughs> vampires, zombies, 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 zombie
0: vampires,
1: <laughs> and a werewolf here and there. Right. <laughs>
0: so you have one in post. It's uh,
1: oh, killer popcorn. Um, I I did I just supervised some of the effects on that. Uh. An, an, a real nice gal named Miranda Dudley did most of the effects on that, and she worked for me on Slipknot. Um, she did a phenomenal job. Uh, I I really didn't have to oversee very much at all. I helped her blow up a witch's head, and that was about it. Yeah, <laughs> <Take that>, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I helped her design that, and uh, and we blew it up, and. You know, did some final sequences with uh, the the popcorn killer shoving a girl's head in a fryer and some other things like that. It was fun stuff. Um, So yeah, so I just I was involved in that and basically sort of oversaw that stuff and that was that was cool. Um, I am producing a film with uh, a director producer named Eric Mathis called The Macabre, and uh, that one is almost done we're three quarters of the way done with it i'm i'm he's got a crowdfunding thing going but i'm also trying to raise additional funds for finishing funds uh, for our last sequence which kane hotter stars in and uh that's a pretty cool film I'll, I'll have to shoot you over the trailer so you can check it out
0: hell yeah Say cause I saw some of the info on it on IMDb and that, that one really jumped out. I was like, Oh, hell yeah. yeah it's, it
1: is, it is a monster anthology movie, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And I enjoy working with Eric a lot. Oh yeah. I bet. Uh, what advice
0: do you have for people who are like looking to get into like special effects makeup and as you put it earlier, making rubber monsters.
1: Well, you know, you know what's funny is—is is I had this conversation with with Eric Mathis, as a matter of fact, um, about that. I I want to encourage anybody and everybody that wants to do this bad enough to pursue it, try it. You know, um, there is enough film out there being made, low budget all the way up, um, that you know you can get your fingers into something. And if you want to be a filmmaker, you can be a filmmaker. It's way easier today than it ever has been. I like to encourage people rather than discourage people. Yes, it can be really hard road, but if you're dedicated to it and you know you know what you want, just go do it. Um I I found in, in the conversation with Eric, it was like he's he's one of those people that went to somebody and said, I want to make movies. How do I do that? How am I gonna make movies? And the person told them, you can't, you know, and that became fuel. Yeah. That became fuel for him to say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to make movies. So I would never be that guy. You know, I have had a good career and I want to see, I want to see films continue to be made. I don't care. I don't care if they're cheesy. I think the cheesy ones all have their place too. I think they're all awesome. Um, you know and i like to encourage everybody that wants to do this to do it there is a fulfillment in it and there you know there's a lot of people that are very creative some people are better at directing some people are better at at making monsters some people are better at slinging blood it doesn't really matter if you're passionate about it go do it
0: oh i agree and it's if you're interested in the film industry there's a place for you it it doesn't have to be on screen
1: no not necessarily
0: you know it's finding what's right for
1: you there is so much that goes into making a film if you really research it and think about the things that you might want to put your fingers on like me now i do so many things now i'm I, i do so many different things now that i jump around from um, I'm going to be involved in the final mix and the scoring part of Macab, as well as, you know, producing it. But what's interesting is, is I didn't really have a leg in any or an, or or my fingers in any of the effects stuff because the effects team's already pretty great. You know, um, we didn't need to change that. So Chris Arredondo, I think, is is the leads name, and then Waleed Asht. Those two guys have put some really great stuff together for this film. And when it's lit and it's on camera, it looks freaking crazy cool. They are just monsters. I love it. I'm
0: definitely looking forward to that one. Where can listeners uh, like follow you on social medias and kind of keep up with the uh, projects you have coming out and stuff like
1: that? Well, I'm on both Facebook and Instagram. I don't I do not do Twitter. Um and I don't do much more than that's hard enough to manage the two that I have. So you know, I'm 53 years old and I'm a grandfather also. So it's you know, it's like a big juggling act all the time to do everything. But um, you know, I I'm a circus player, so I, I I'm still doing it. Um, social media wise, Facebook uh, Nick J Benson official on Facebook and uh, Nick Benson four two seven on Instagram
0: and listeners i'll put those links in the episode description like always you can find me over at electronic media collective alongside other great podcasters or on twitter at moose media inc nick is glad we were finally able to sit down and do this i think we've been trying for, since i think last march to <laughs> find a time to do this yeah <laughs> yeah totally and i know it's been. get you on again when after macabre and these other ones come out and God, you yeah, we have an together. interesting
1: release yeah. plan for Macabre, so we'll. Ha- I'll have to bring Eric, and we'll come. We'll pop on and and do a do a show with you when we're ready to. Oh, for hit sure. The road with
0: it. That, I definitely look forward to watching that, and uh, of the upcoming projects, that one definitely caught my eye the most. So.
1: Yeah, we have. I have much more on the table than that. This is, there's so much more coming. You you won't even believe it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you you are a very very busy man so
1: (laughs) and i'm very driven it's like the last what's weird is is in 2019 i left uh you know your standard day job making you know doing themed environments and stuff like that for casinos and whatnot and um i kind of got pulled back into this business and the fans have really inspired me to to do this again and i have put my own production company together and i'm sitting on about five more scripts behind the projects i've talked to you about so there's there's lots coming
0: so yeah definitely gonna have to do this again so i look forward to our next uh episode until next time horror hounds mash on has been as Monster Badge. Come back for and thrills if you dare.
1: Like the, the theater was like one-sixth scale. And like I had a, a half-scale kitchen for when, when the blob comes out of the drain and onto the ceiling after yeah. it sucked yeah. the dude down the drain. Um, when it pops out onto the ceiling, we built a half scale kitchen and it's rotated upside down. So you don't, you don't know that cause the camera's upside down shooting it. And we just had a big gate valve and load that loads this big tube up full of, full of those quilts, full of slime and just pull the gate valve and it just all dumps out the sink onto the ceiling. <laughs> so it's crazy. Yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff.